Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. So today we want to go ahead and go jump right into God's word. I'm going to invite you, uh, those of you who are at home, turn with me first. We're going to continue in our series in Revelation 4, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to ask if you would just turn me up just a little bit, Genesis chapter 9, that will just undergird our conversation today. Genesis chapter 9, and we're going to begin together at verse number 8. Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 8. And let me just say to anybody at home that if you know somebody that's discouraged, you know somebody that's despondent, if you know anybody that's on the verge of giving up, I need you to get them in the living room, get them by a TV, tag them in this. So I want to encourage the body of Christ uh, from God's word today. Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to begin at verse number 8. And if you don't mind, go ahead and put your finger over in Revelation chapter 4, which is where we will launch from sermonically today. Genesis chapter 9, verse 8. The Bible says, Then God spoke to Noah and to his son, saying to him, As for me, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, the beasts of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark and every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. For I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters that never again shall a flood destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud. And I will look to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Now, again, I want to invite you to turn with me to our primary text, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, and again, we'll just pick it up at verse number 1. Again, we're not going to get very far in the text, but we'll go as far as God tells us to go, and then we'll pick it up hereafter. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and I behold, beheld a throne set in heaven, and one that sat on the throne, and he that sat on the throne was as jasper and sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. I want you to take note of that, that there was a rainbow around the throne in sight like unto an emerald. 
Today, saints, I'm going to talk to you for a little while under the subject, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that in this little while, once again, that you would say much. Lord, I pray that the word would not just be heard, but I pray that your word today, that it would minister to your people. Lord, I pray that the power of despair, discouragement, depression, hopelessness, I pray that those powers would be lifted, not because of what I say, but because of belief attached to the promises of your word. So Lord, once again, would you please hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We pray this. In the name of him who is altogether lovely, it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Again, talking under the subject, trust and obey. You know, saints, there are some features of this vision that are designed to teach us that God can be trusted. And it's imperative that you understand that God can be trusted because those who live at the end of time will have to trust God more than any generation that comes before them. And the thing that needs to be clear is at the end of time, you can't just have truth. You've got to know how to trust in God. Because truth is able to steer you, but it is trust that's going to drive you. So that if prophecy were a bicycle, truth would be the handlebars, but trust would be the pedals that get you where you need to go. And the fact is that spiritual truth without spiritual trust is going to lead to spiritual trauma. And the fundamental component of any relationship is trust. So that when you look at the metaphors by which God describes his relationship to humanity, notice that he does not describe himself as powerful God over against insignificant servant. He describes himself in the terms of a bridegroom to a bride, as a friend to another friend, as a parent unto a child. And all of those relationships require trust. Are you with me? So that in a marriage, there has to be intimacy, which requires trust. In a friendship, there must be vulnerability that requires trust. And in a relationship between parent and child, there's got to be submission that requires trust. And guess what? Wherever you don't have trust, you have broken relationship. And see, the issue is that whenever we don't trust God, it shows up in the form of a broken relationship. Are y'all with me today? And so that our lack of trust shows up in specific ways. And so the reason we don't pray is essentially because we don't really trust that prayer changes things. The reason we don't tie this is not because you don't like the conference. It's because you don't really trust that God is able to supply. The, The reason we work on Sabbath is because we don't trust 
that God can provide enough manna on Friday so that you can rest in him on Sabbath. The reason we accept in relationship who's available is because we don't trust God to send the one that's appointed. The reason we study the newspaper instead of studying the scriptures is because we don't trust that in the word that there is a word from God for us. And see the reason, watch this, we don't grow in the area of trust. Help me Holy Spirit. The reason we don't grow in trust is because we struggle to admit that we struggle to trust God. In fact, one of the hardest things, especially for black people to do, even those that are just loosely religious, is to acknowledge that we don't really believe God, what he says. In fact, most of us will never say it out loud. We won't even admit it to ourselves. And it's crazy because we'll admit that we smoke. We'll admit that we drink. We'll admit that we shack. But we will never admit that we don't really believe God and what he says. And let me just say to somebody today that the only thing worse than no faith is fake faith. The, the only thing worse than unbelief is phony belief. Are y'all hearing me today? And so what we do is, because of our behaviors, we blame our behaviors on what the church ain't doing and our doctrine and the conference. But the truth is that even if the church was perfect and the conference was right and the doctrine was esteemed, guess what? We would still be in the same place because we've not learned how to completely trust ourselves with God. Are y'all with me today? And let me just say this, that there are some of us that only trust the theory of God. In other words, we believe in the principle of God. Some of y'all not getting me. In fact, some of us only believe in God the way black people believe in America. In other words, we believe in the theory of America. We believe in the principle of America. I believe in the creeds of America. In other words, I love the America I see on paper. But, but I struggle with the America I experience from day to day. In other words, I believe it on paper, but I struggle with belief in practice. And there are some of us that believe God on paper, but we don't really believe him in experience. And God is saying that you've got to get to a place where you know that I'm not just good on paper. I'm not just good in principle. But if you let me in your day-to-day -day experience, you will see my goodness in ways that you could not contemplate. If that makes sense, let the church say amen today. And so go back with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 4. And let's look together at verse number 3. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 3. And we're going to unpack God's word together today. Revelation 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, And he who sat there was like Jasper and, and Sardis stone in appearance. And the Bible says that there was a rainbow around the throne that was like an emerald. Now I need you to understand, beloved, that John here is in vision. And watch this, saints, that there are some things that John takes note of in the vision. And the truth is that everything that John sees can be a sermon all by itself. So the first thing that John sees in heaven 
is that John sees in the temple an open door. And we rejoiced a couple weeks back that God's door to heaven is open. Which means that humanity still has access to God and that salvation is attainable. But then John also sees a throne in heaven. And thrones represent sovereignty. It shows us who's in control and it teaches us who has the final say. But then notices that John sees a rainbow around the throne. And understand that the rainbow is not in the form of an arc, but the rainbow is in the form of a circle. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But then you've got to ask yourself the question, what does John think when he sees the presence of a rainbow? In other words, when John sees a rainbow in his mind, he's going to go back to the time of Noah where God sent a flood to destroy the antediluvian world. And understand that this rain or uh, flood, the rain did not just come down from the heavens, but God released the fountains from the deep so much so that it created such atmospheric pressure that it would destroy even certain sea creatures. Now, now remember, saints, that before the flood, it had never rained on the earth. In other words, God simply watered or irrigated the earth with a mist that settled over the earth each and every day. In other words, you've got to know that we see rain differently than Noah and his family did. In other words, in our mind, rain starts and then it stops. But in Noah's time, the first time it rained, it didn't stop until all life had been destroyed. But God put the rainbow in the clouds as a reminder to Noah that the rain won't be endless. In other words, he's saying to Noah's descendants that no matter how hard it rains, no matter how long it rains, no matter how heavy the rain, at some point the rain is going to stop. And see, I just want to talk to that person today who feels like they're in a Noah season where you look up and all you see is rain from the east and you see rain from the west and it seems like the downpour will never cease. I need you to know that God put the rainbow in the cloud as a reminder to somebody today that at some point the rain in your life has to stop. In other words, what made the flood so devastating is that for 40 days, the rain never took a break. For 40 days, the rain never paused. For 40 days, it never even relented. And not only did it rain from on top, but the fountains of the deep would be released. And so guess what? It would rain on you straight. It would rain in from the side. It would rain in from the east. And it would rain in from the west. So you would get hit from every possible direction. And I believe that there is somebody that's in a Noah season where you're being flooded in your marriage and you're being in a parental flood and some are in a medical flood and some are in a grief flood and some are in a spiritual flood and some are in a relational flood but understand that somewhere this afternoon there's gonna be a rainbow in Huntsville to remind somebody that no matter how much it rains that at some point the rain is gonna have to stop are y'all hearing me today in other words, the rainbow is designed to let us know that this too is going to pass. 
In other words, the rainbow is a reminder that the storm is going to have to stop. See, understand that Noah's storm hovered, but our storms passed by. And I need to quote the great Yolanda Adams when she says that this too shall pass like every night that's gone before it. And I need somebody to know that when you're in the storm, you got to claim what I call rainbow promises in the word. See, there's some rainbow promises that God let put in there to let you know that certain things are going to come to an end. I want to say to that person who is flooded by grief because of the loss of your loved one, I want you to know that there's going to come a day where it's not going to hurt as bad as it hurts today. For Isaiah says that he's going to give you beauty for ashes, joy for oil for mourning, and the spirit of praise, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I want to say to that person that is mourning the end of the marriage that Psalm 30 says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want to say to that person that's being flooded by enemies that this battle is not yours, but it belongs to the Lord. I want to say to that person that's tired and ready to give up that even the youths grow weary and the young men utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they'll mount up with eagles and not be run and not be weary they'll walk and not be faint I want to say to that person that's in a state of panic God says in the rainbow that he'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed upon him I want to say to that person that's worn out by all the injustice and sadness of this world there's a rainbow promise in Revelation 21 for God says I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes and there'll be no more sorrow there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more pain the rainbow stands as a reminder that no matter how bad it rains that one day the rain is gonna stop can the church say amen listen man I remember just probably about six weeks ago I was down in Florida when I was visiting my parents for the weekend and so when it was time to come back Hurricane Sally was sweeping across the Gulf states and so it had gotten onto land and it was in the form of a tropical depression and so we still needed to get home so we had to drive through it and so as I get on I-10 it's raining so hard that I have to stop and creep down at like 15 miles an hour and I wanted to give up but guess what we had to keep on driving and when I got down to Mar Mariana the rain got worse but guess what we had to keep on driving and I was hoping it would get let up by the time we got to Dothan but by the time we got to Dothan it was still bad but guess what we had to keep on driving and I was hoping it would ease up by the time we got to Montgomery but by the time we got to Montgomery it was still raining so we had to keep on driving but somewhere on 65 between Montgomery and Birmingham I was able to look over in the eastern sky and see a rainbow and the presence of the rainbow was simply a reminder that the storm had come to an end in other words what I'm saying to somebody that's in a storm I need you to know that you guys got to keep on going. You got to keep on pushing. You got to keep going forward because the storm one day is going to pass. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? The second thing, beloved, that the rainbow was designed to teach. Watch me, church. The rainbow was designed to teach them how to have a right interpretation of the rain. <laughs> now, remember... For Noah, the first time it rained, it didn't stop until all life had been destroyed. 
So that at this point, Noah and his family only see one purpose for rain. In their mind, rain means judgment. In their mind, rain means God is angry. In their mind, rain means uh, the judgment of God. And see, I need you to understand at this point, it had never rained. In other words, God would just send a mist to water and irrigate creation. So I'm asking myself, why had it never rained? Why was the mist sufficient? You see, the reason God only needed to send the mist was because everything was still functioning in basic or, or perfect order because of creation. In other words, the rivers were in balance, the streams were in balance, the harvest was in balance. And so God didn't need to send rain, he just needed to send the mist to keep everything functioning. In other words, watch this, the mist was for maintenance, the rain was for renovation. Okay, we're about to go somewhere. In other words, the, the mist was to maintain what was perfect. The rain had to rebuild what was broken. Okay. In other words, the earth after Noah's flood don't need maintenance no more. The mist is no longer sufficient for what they need. The earth needs renovation. It needs to be completely reset. Are y'all with me today? And see, God is trying to help them know you got to start to see rain differently. Because see, rain is about to be a part of your normal. Rain is about to be a part of your ecology. I'm going to use rain as a part of the rebuild. In other words, rain is going to replenish man. It's going to refresh cattle. Rain is going to revive vegetation. Rain is going to keep streams flowing. Rain is going to keep famine in remission. Rain is going to keep flowers blooming. Rain is going to keep grass green. It is the early rain that's going to germinate the harvest. And it's the latter rain that's going to ripen the harvest. In other words, the rainbow was sent to help them understand that rainy days are not for your destruction, but rainy days are for your development. Oh, I can't get no help in here today. In other words, in one season, rain meant destruction. In another season, rain meant development. And so you got to make sure, church, that your current interpretation of rain it's not based upon outdated, obsolete data. Are y'all hearing me today, change? In other words, the reason they would be fearful and discouraged when it rained is because they would misunderstand the purpose. See, that's why we've got to mature in faith. Are y'all with me, saints? Because you realize that children hate rainy days. See, the immature, they, they don't like when it rains because the rain, it cramps their style. It gets in the way of their agenda. It messes up their plans. And see, I need you to understand that the, the mature amongst us understand that even though you may not like the rain, you understand that there is a purpose in the rain. See, a part of maturing is realizing that the rain does something for you. Oh, I can't get no help here today. See, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spake like a child. I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put away some childish things. See, in other words, if your character was perfect, you would just need a mist to maintain it. But because you so jacked up, the mist ain't sufficient 
God has got to send some rain to reveal what's been broken. Are y'all hearing me today? And I guess what I'm saying is that the rainbow around the throne is to teach God's people to reinterpret the purpose for the rain. See, for them, rain meant God is mad. Rain meant God is angry. Rain means God is no longer on our side. But the rainbow is designed to teach us that from now on, rain has a different purpose. And if you don't understand the rainbow, you will live in constant fear because you'll see rain as the evidence of your demise as opposed to seeing rain as the proof that you're going to survive if you don't understand the rainbow you'll see rain as punishment and not a part of God's plan for your prosperity oh. see let me be clear because like all humans I have a preference for sunny days but as I grow I develop an appreciation for rainy days. See, I know y'all don't want to shout with me today. See, God is so amazing that in the flood, in one season, he used rain to destroy the earth. Going forward, he would use rain to rebuild the earth. Okay. In one season, he uses rain to destroy unrighteous character. In our season, he uses the rain to build righteous character. In other words, the same rain can produce two different results based upon which side of the cross you stand on. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And, and can I be honest with you? Can we just get transparent and have some agreement? The fact is, you won't tell the truth, but we don't grow on sunny days. Come on, tell the truth. We grow when it's rainy outside. In other words, the reason that some of us uh, are in a spiritual famine is because we re re resist the days where there is rain. See, I appreciate the rain because rain washes away the impurities of my character. It unsettles those things that are trying to fasten themselves to me permanently. It germinates my trust. It revives my faith. And so you ought to be careful about cursing the rain. Because the reason you ought not curse the rain is you realize what a lack of rain produces. So that where you don't have rain, you have famine. Where you don't have rain, you get desert. And it's crazy because some of us complain when it rains, then we'll complain when there's famine. Oh, y'all not with me today. In other words, you can't rejoice when it doesn't rain and then complain now that there is famine. Oh, you can't curse the downpour and the desert. In other words, when I refuse to let God send rain, I am coveting and welcoming desert and famine and things that will lead to my ultimate demise. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the reason that some of us are in spiritual famine is because we refuse to let God do his work of appropriating the right amount of rain for our lives. And I guess what I'm saying to us today, beloved, we got to get to a place where instead of complaining about the rain, maybe we ought to just say, Lord, I thank you for what it developed. Lord, I thank you for what it produced. I thank you that I learned how to pray in the rain. I thank you that I learned how to trust in the rain. I thank you that the rain ushered me back to your feet. I thank you for what the rain revealed in my life. 
Kind of like I told you guys maybe a couple months back uh, that our HOA required us to, uh, to stain all the fences in the backyard. And so me and the kids and, and Pastor Shea, he came over and helped me uh, <laughs> paint the fence. It's crazy because I remember that Sunday afternoon, as soon as we had finished, rain, uh, finished painting, a rain kind of suddenly came out of nowhere. It wasn't in the forecast. And, and it's crazy because like after uh, it began to rain, all the places where Shea painted, the, the, the paint began to, to drain and, and, and all of the paint began to come off. And at first I was mad at the rain. But, but see, all the rain did was reveal the places that were not saturated. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. In other words, I was mad at the rain. But eventually I began to rejoice over the rain because it showed me where I needed to start over again. And what I'm saying is that what the rain is doing for some of us, it's revealing where we're not spiritually saturated, where we're not grounded, where we're not rooted, where we need to start over again. Can the church say amen? Third thing that the rain, rainbow did, the rainbow was designed to teach them. Watch this. He was designed to teach them to stop expecting the worst. Okay. So even though Noah and his family were elated, Pastor Lampkin, to be saved from the flood, you realize that these dudes lived with a very real post-traumatic stress disorder after they get off of that ark. Do you realize, like, I mean, I need you to think through this with me. What life is like when they walked off of the ark for the first time. You, you realize that that's going to mess with you when, when there are dead bodies as far as your eye can see. Do you realize that at this point, that earth is nothing but, but an above ground cemetery? So that Noah, man, is, he's triggered left and right because like, listen, whenever he goes to the lake, he's seeing fingers and toes begin to float to the top of the water. Noah can't have to be careful where he sits down because he don't want to sit down into somebody's decaying corpse. You got to understand that everywhere he's seeing crows gather here and vultures concert there and buzzards congregate there as they are doing their work as scavengers as replenishing the earth. Do you realize that the stench of rotting flesh has become so familiar that it don't offend them no more. And this thing is so bad for Noah, it gets so heavy for him that Noah has to get some Merlot and some Crown Royale and he goes in his tent and he anesthetizes the pain so badly that he gets butt naked and curses anybody that walks into the tent. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to y'all today, church? And see, I need y'all to understand that this normal was a very hard thing for Noah to be able to digest because he understand that if God doesn't send the rainbow, the echoes of what happened last time it rained would cause them to go into shock every time the clouds gathered. If there were no rainbow, every time it rained, they would start trying to go up to high ground. If there were no rainbow, they would begin to relive the pain every time it got cloudy outside. If there were no rain, they would spend their whole lives trying to build another ark for next time. Because they didn't believe the rainbow, they, Genesis 11, they built a tower that would reach up to the heavens to protect them if God sent a another flood. If there was no rainbow, they would spend their whole lives 
preparing for and expecting the worst. But see, God gave them the rainbow as a symbol, Ted, that the worst is behind you. He didn't want them to relive the trauma. He didn't want them to live a life of survival. He wanted them to live a life of hope. You see, if God doesn't give the rainbow, they spend their whole lives planning for, bracing for, preparing to receive the worst that could happen. See, the rainbow is to teach them that their peace is in his promise, not their precautions. The rainbow is designed to teach them that your rest would be in his word, not in your worries. It's designed to teach them that strength would be in the covenant and not your contingencies. See, the rainbow was God saying, I understand what you've gone through in the past, but you're safe with me in the present. And there are some of us that have gone through some things in our past that have such a haunting effect that your past has become permanent. Some of us have been hurt so bad and disappointed by the vicissitudes of life that emotionally you don't even really, you're not even able to make a distinction between where the past is operating and where the present is operating. In fact, for some of us, the only thing in the present is our body. But for many of us, emotionally and spiritually, we have been locked into that moment of disappointment and pain and disillusionment because the only thing that functions in the present is the flesh, but the spirit and the soul are way back in the past. And because you're functioning in the past, what it literally does is it nullifies your future because all your future plans are designed to simply help protect you and brace you from the things that have happened in the past. And see, God sent the rainbow to say, stop expecting the worst. He sent the rainbow to say, the worst is behind you. He sent the rainbow to say, you're safe with me in the present. I need you to understand something, saints. Do you realize that both Christians and unbelievers walk by faith? Do you realize that, quote unquote, believing people, and unbelieving people, we all function in faith. Because you know what faith is? Faith is calling those things that are not as if they already are. Are y'all with me, church? Faith is calling what isn't as if it's already done. But see, I need you to understand that when you expect and plan and prepare for the worst, see, all you're doing is anticipating by faith things that haven't even come to pass yet. In other words, so what you got to do is you got to, instead of saying, I have faith or I don't, what you need to do is simply ask yourself, what am I actually claiming by faith? Are you claiming the promises of his word or are you reclaiming the curses of your past? In other words, it ain't come to pass again, but you're simply claiming it by faith. See, and that's why you got to realize that the Bible says that life and death are in the power of your tongue. Are y'all hearing me today say, that's why you need to be careful what you say. So when you say, I know he's going to leave while he's still there, you're simply calling what is not as if it already is. When you say, I know I'm going to get sick even while I have my health, you're simply calling what is not as if it already is. 
when you say I know it's too good to be true while it's still good you're simply calling what's not as if it already is if you say I know I'm gonna gain the weight back while you're still in shape you're simply calling what's not as if it already is if you say I know my children gonna mess up while they still doing good you're simply calling by faith those things that have not yet come to pass and I guess what I'm saying to somebody is that God has put his rainbow in the cloud to teach somebody not to remember the former things or not consider the things of old. But God says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. And shall you not do it? And the cloud is a reminder to somebody that the latter day is going to be greater than the former day. That it's going to end better than it started. The cloud is a reminder to put those things that are in the past behind and reach forward to those things that are before. In other words, church, if I'm going to claim something by faith, if I'm going to expect something by faith, I ain't claiming the curses of my past. I'm not claiming the her curses of men. If I'm going to claim something in the past future, I'm claiming the blessings of God. I'm claiming salvation for my kids. I'm claiming health for my body. I'm claiming provision for my bank account. I'm claiming the growth of this church. I'm claiming the development of ministry. I'm claiming health and long life. I'm claiming I'm going to live and not die. I'm claiming the good and not the bad. I'm claiming salvation, not condemnation. If you're going to claim something, claim the word of the living God. Are y'all hearing me say so you got to get to a place where you say, am I going to claim the word more than I claimed what happened? What am I going to anticipate? And what is the basis of my anticipation? Man, it's crazy. Since I remember we went on the, the camping trip last year. Let me not get too close. We went on the camping trip last year. Uh, you know, I ain't really want to go. That's not really my thing. Why would I pay to go outside when I got a house? Come on and say amen. Right, so it's crazy because I remember when we went, we, you know, we told the kids on Friday we're going to leave for the camping trip. Uh, we're going to pick up the little RV. And so we're going to leave on Friday. But it's crazy, on Thursday, Brooke stopped by and was like, Daddy, thank you for taking me camping. No, no, she says this on Thursday. But, but I'm like, baby, we, we hadn't even left yet. Like the trip ain't until tomorrow. But she says, you said we're going. And I need you to understand that in her childlike faith, me saying it was like it was already done. So she says, I'm just thanking you ahead of time because we know it's going to come to power. Oh, Lord, have mercy. In other words, if God says it, it's already done. So you don't have to wait to praise him. You don't have to wait till it comes to pass. You can praise him now because it's already done. Are y'all hearing the word today? So, so watch this church. Woo. So John sees this in vision. He sees God on the throne. And he says, round about the throne, there is a rainbow. Now this rainbow, remember what a rainbow represents. It represents God's covenant with humanity. It represents God's infallible, immovable word. The rainbow represents the sovereignty of the promises that God makes to mankind. Now, now watch this, because you got to notice that, that there's a feature that should have caught your eye. 
So if you're reading the New International Version or the ASV, or you're looking at the Greek, he doesn't say that the rainbow is like an arch, like we see. He says the rainbow encircles the throne. He says, oh, <laughs> the rainbow is not like an arch that starts and stops. He says that the rainbow, which represents God's promises, is in the form of a circle. See, a rainbow is not an arch because an arch has a starting point and a stopping point. But God says, my promises are like a circle because a circle has no starting point. It has no ending point. A circle represents continuous motion. It means it doesn't have any end. And that's why the symbol of a marital covenant is a wedding ring. It's a circle that doesn't have any entry. It doesn't have any exit. It doesn't have a starting point. It doesn't have a stopping point. And God is saying that my promises are not square. They're not rectangular because they can be broken up. But my promises are like a circle because once they start coming to pass, they won't ever stop coming to pass. Are y'all hearing this word? So, man, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. So, so I'm thinking, okay, John in heaven says the rainbow is a circle. And notice in Genesis 9, 13, God says what I'm going to do is I'm putting my rainbow in the clouds, which suggests the ones we see down here should look like the one that John sees up there. So I'm tripping, Marcus, because I'm like, why are we getting the half circle? And in heaven, they get the whole circle. Come on, y'all should ask yourself that question. Why, why are we getting an ark and they getting the full thing? In other words, is his word more valuable in heaven than it is on earth? But can I suggest something? The reason they get the circle, whereas we only get the ark, is because they're in complete agreement with God. Because remember, a covenant requires agreement. A covenant is never one-sided. A covenant is where two parties come together and they agree on the terms, they agree on the conditions, they agree on the expectations. And so God says, I make the promise, it's a half circle. But when you come into agreement, it creates a full circle that encircles everything that we came into agreement about. And so understand the reason they got the circle in heaven is because they're in agreement with God. There is no dissent between them and God. But guess what? The reason we only have a half circle is because some of us don't come into agreement with God. Okay, what do you mean, Pastor? You realize that a lot of the promises of God they, they are covenant by nature, which means that certain promises won't come to pass unless you agree through acts of obedience. Oh, y'all, y'all not with me. Do you realize that the promises are sure? Like, like the, the breakdown is not on God's end. You see, the problem is some of us say we don't, we don't trust God. God's word ain't coming to pass. The issue is not that God's word is not true. The issue is that we've not come into agreement. But when I come into agreement, 
The promises of God encircle every area of my life. What do you mean, Pastor? So God says, because I want, watch this church. I don't know about you. I want forgiveness to circle my life. So first John says, if you confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. But if I hide and pretend it, guess what? The ark is still there. But I got to still agree through confession so that forgiveness circles my life. Do y'all, do y'all get it? Okay. He says, bring ye all the time into the storehouse. And when you do that, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you ain't got room enough to receive it. He says, bring ye all the time. But you realize that some of us are mad because we got room to receive it when we haven't come into agreement. But if I come into agreement, then the promise encircles my life. See, I need you to understand that the the promise is this, that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, salvation is is an ark, but I've got to come into agreement on the other side so that the circle of redemption encircles my entire life. There is somebody who is saying that I want to ride on the high places of the earth, but the promise is this, if you take your foot off the Sabbath, Stop doing thine own pleasure on my holy day. He says, then I will cause you to ride on the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, my father. We love the promises that say I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. The enemy's going to come in one way and they're going to flee in seven ways. But do you realize that those are not empty promises? Those are covenant promises, but I've got to come in alignment with what God said. And when I come in alignment with what he said, those promises of God, they begin to encircle every area of my life. And I just want to say to all of those who are in covenant with God, that if you come into agreement, I need you to know that God will circle your money. God will circle your marriage. God will circle your health. God will circle your children. God will circle your faith. God will circle your salvation. God will circle this ministry. God will circle the earth. See, we've got to come in agreement with what God said. And so I need you to understand, it's not just enough, go ahead James, to say, I trust. But you can't just trust. You got to also obey. See, I need you to understand that if you only have trust, it's like just playing on one side of the seesaw. And I need you to understand, if you only obey, you don't, it's just like being on the other side. But in order to have a fun game, you got to be putting weight on the side of trust, and you got to put weight on the side of obedience. And God is calling for a people in these last days. Because see, I need you to understand that like, see, we, we about to come upon a time where just all your naming, claiming, declaration-based faith, all that's about to be tested. What, who you are and what you're made of, it's about to be revealed. It's about to be made known. And see, and that's why Jesus said those that hear my words and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the rain falls and the flood comes and the winds blow, the house stands because it is founded on the rock. But see, it's not just hearing. Not just affirming, not just amening. It's saying, I'm going to put it into practice. And see, I need you to understand, whereas we see trust over here, 
and obedience over here as if they are enemies as if they are opposites I need you to know trust and obedience they're not enemies one is simply an outgrowth of the next so that if I trust God guess what there is vulnerability there is submission there is intimacy that shows up in an obedient life that pleases and honors him that allows all every facet of my life to function in the circle of the sovereign promises of God that are in him yea and amen but God is calling us saints in these last days to an unprecedented form of trust and a radical form of obedience and then there are some who say well listen I, I need to work on my obedience no that's that's starting with the fruit you got to start with the root because either I need you to understand that obedience that just it's just an outgrowth of trust trust is the root of the thing obedience or disobedience that's the fruit that's just the result of what's what's being planted and God is saying to somebody who is discouraged, worn out by life today, there's some things he wants you to know. I, want, I just want to look into this camera and I want to say to that person, it's raining financially, it's, it's raining parentally, it's raining in your marriage, it's raining grief, it's raining sorrow, it's raining bill calls and collectors. I need you to know, God, listen, if you're in Huntsville, somewhere on this rainy day, it was fortuitous, prophetic, that it's going to rain till about two or three o'clock. But somewhere, rainbow's going to come outside today. As evidence to you that at some point, this season and the rain is going to stop. God wants the rainbow to teach you that sometimes rain has a purpose. Again, the mist, that was for maintenance. But rain is for renovation. And I need you to understand, this is not insulting, I'm not saying this to you. It rains on me for this very same purpose. If I was perfect and my character was ready for translation, I would get mist. God says, that mist ain't going to wash off of you. It's not going to unsettle those things that have clung themselves to you. Mist is not sufficient for the rebuild that's got to take place in your life. And what I'm saying is don't curse the rain because it is the rain that pushes back the famine and the desert experiences of life. God is saying to somebody, God gave you the rainbow so you can stop expecting the worst. See, there's somebody that you, you claim curses by faith. You came, claim failure by faith. You claim negatives by faith. You walk around all the time, maybe not verbally, but in your own heart, saying what's not going to be, what's going to fall apart, what they ain't going to do, what's going to come to pass. Why don't you make it up in your mind to say, I'm going to expect something different. Stop coming out of then. Bring your emotions and your heart and your spirit where your body are so that you can plan to experience God's new thing. But this is important. Listen, I pray somebody's receiving this because some of us, we have this tension because we're saying, man, God's word is not coming to pass and this hasn't happened. The, 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 the question is not about the validity of God's word. It is about how loyal we are to agreement. Like God is saying, I, I want to cover it all. I, I want to cover it all, but will you agree? Yeah, I, I want your children to grow up and be godly. I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll order their steps, but are you going to teach them about me? Will you, will you train them with worship? 
or on Sabbath, you're going to sit in front of the TV, get your praise on while they're doing God knows what. God is saying, listen, I'm going to open up the windows. Listen, uh, I ain't a rich man, but I've seen God. Lord, have mercy. Provide in ways that if I sat down and told you, you'd be like, man, he lying, he lying. You wouldn't even believe it. Because I've just seen him do it so many times and make so many ways. I mean, it don't even make sense how God will do it. See, it's crazy because like, man, God says, even with what we're going through right now, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, he says, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, I will heal their lands. I need you to know, like we've gotten to a point where it is taking so long that we're looking more to Johnson & Johnson for a vaccine more than we're looking to the God of heaven to bring about an antidote to this thing. And what I'm saying to us is that God wants to circle everything but in covenant, you've got to agree. There's got to be harmony. You've got to say, okay, God, I see what you promised. All right, I agree with the terms. I agree with the conditions. And so now I know I can expect you to do what you said you're going to do. So there's somebody today who's been worn out by life, beat up by life. It's, been, it's just rained on you constantly. But the rainbow that John saw is a reminder that every earthly form of rain, every earthly storm is going to end. When Jesus Christ comes again, he's going to come and he's, he's going to raise the dead incorruptible. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord and there'll never be another rainy day for God's people again. But you got to make it up in your mind to say, I want to, I want to side with Christ. I want to get on the inside of the ark. I, I don't want to build a self-sufficient tower. I want to be in the ark that God's hand is guiding and directing. And so if you're home today and you want to make it up in your mind to say you're in Huntsville, maybe you're 12, you're 5, you're 8, you're 15, you're 20, you're 50, and you need to say, I need to be in one of the next baptisms here at First Church. Email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Maybe Maybe you're on YouTube or Facebook. There's a link coming up in the, in the comments called Type Form. Click on that link and it'll give you some instructions on how to make your calling and election sure. Maybe you're in another city or a state and you need to get connected with a good Bible-based church. If you email us or you reach out to us, we'll get you connected with a pastor or a ministry that can walk alongside you and help you continue in the way of Jesus Christ. So I want to say to somebody, listen, don't wait. Don't say tomorrow. Today, if you hear his voice, Harden not your heart. Would you receive Jesus into the life? Would you allow him to help you in the born again experience that culminates in the second coming of Jesus? Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And I just pray for the discouraged, weary soul. Help them to hold on. Help them to keep driving. And help them to know that at some point the rain is going to stop. May they not make a prediction of the weather six months from now based on the out outlook today. I pray to God that there will be somebody that they will learn to not expect the worst. But if they're going to claim something by faith, Lord, may they claim your promises and your blessings. May they stand on your word. And I pray that for us, we know that you are not a man that you should lie. You're not like the son of man that changes his mind. You're, you're, you've given us the arts, but now we want to come into agreement with your word, through trust and radical 
radical, unwavering obedience to what you said. So Lord, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Would you hold us? But we cannot hold ourselves. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Let God's people together say amen and amen. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.